Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Mechanics. I'm Katie, and with me, as always, is... Hey, everybody, what's going on? It is Jason. We are almost in July. Actually, by the time this drops, it'll be July, I think. Uh, yes. Friday is July. Yes, that is correct. Yeah, which is insane. I think that's Canada Day, right? Isn't July 1st Canada Day? You're asking me? I have no idea. <laughs> I know. I think it is. It's every day is some day in Canada, right? No, that's that's not how that works. If you live in Canada, it's always a Canada Day. <laughs> I'm hilarious. Go to your room and think about what you've done. <laughs> it's embarrassing. I can't. Why? Why? <laughs> no, but I'm pretty sure it's Canada Day, so happy Canada Day. Um... I don't know all the words to O Canada, so I, I won't try to sing it for you. I just... We could sing, let's go to the mall. Today. I know, I, I do think about that when I think about Canada Day, because she specifically references Canada Day in the song. Yeah, yeah. That's all I know about Canada. It's Robin Sparkles and Tim Hortons. That's it. Who? At least Tim Hortons is real. Robin Sparkles is not. <laughs> That's true. However, um, Kobe Smulders is Canadian. I don't know if you knew that. I did know that, but Robin Sparkles is definitely where it's at. Okay. Well, anyway, happy Canada Day. And then um, we will be celebrating Independence Day here in the States shortly after on the Monday. So all kinds of celebrations happening. I actually really dislike the 4th of July because our oldest daughter, since she's on the spectrum, she really hates fireworks. So pretty much the entire week leading up to the 4th is torture for us here at the house. Yeah. And like a week after, because everybody has leftover fireworks. Yeah, it's it's rough. Yeah, it's just... I, I used to love the 4th. Um, not anymore. <laughs> not anymore. I mean, I, I still like it for like the cookouts and stuff. We just have to go home before it's dark. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe one day she'll she'll get over it, but we'll see. And if not, oh well, it's fine. I keep saying we should go on vacation for the Fourth of July, and then I'm like, well, we have to really go on vacation, like out of the country, to get away from it. So, it, yeah, like it's Fourth of July everywhere in America. But on then, the 4th like, of July, so. are there a lot of fireworks on Canada Day? Canadians, I need to know because um, we could maybe make a trip to Canada for Canada Day. In order to avoid the fireworks in the U.S., but um, I have a feeling... I would Im- I'd imagine they have something, some kind of bombs bursting in the air. Okay, you can't reference the Star Spangled Banner <laughs> when you're discussing a completely different country. I can, and I did. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't, I just, is what you should have said. It's not entirely relevant <laughs> to discuss our national anthem. Yeah, you're right. Oy vey. Anyway, um... Let's let's move on from this travesty that is the intro and talk about some news. And Jason, you actually have to contribute this week, though it's not really it's sort of about it's about game coming games coming out, but it's not a Kickstarter specific, right? Correct. It's just gaming industry news, a game that is going to be coming out that uh, I'm excited about because I like this uh this line and there's a new version of clank and it's called clank catacombs um a couple reasons why this is interesting one it's basically revamping the original clank but instead of having a board it's going to be tile placing so that you're going to kind of build the board as you're playing which i think is kind of interesting Hmm. because so that map is going to be way different every single time Hmm. and you can really hose some people on the ground i think i don't know a ton about it just basically it's re-implemented original clank with modular board but the other interesting thing is renegade is no longer a part of this one it's just dire wolf i don't know what happened i didn't see anything i didn't really read up on it because you don't care i don't care yeah <laughs> but it was always renegade and mm-hmm. dire wolf but now it's just dire wolf so interesting. i don't know if renegade just had a license and it just expired or whatever but yeah so new clank uh, seems kind of interesting i'd like to see how the modular board works it seems like it could be fun but it could also be a cluster but either way, more clank is always a good thing for me. Yeah, I'm intrigued. I don't, I don't love tile laying because my problems with my brain. Um, it's, it can always be dicey. 
<laughs> but it, I, I do love Clank, so I don't know. Well, I, yeah, we'll have to keep an eye out for that one. Um, my first game is actually on Kickstarter. It has nothing to do with industry news. And it, I picked it because it's just the most adorable game I've seen in a long time. And that game is called Yumcha the Card Game. And this is from Quokka Games. So this, um, there's some guys from Australia. And Quokka I don't, it has like this adorable, I don't know if it's a, it might be a wombat um, as their mascot. It is so stinky cute, right? But Yumcha is about um, eating dim sum and drinking tea. And so they kind of took the route of one of my favorite parts of Sushi Go and they anthropomorphized the um, dim sum and the tea. So it's like the cutest stinking little foods that you will ever find. Like I, oh my gosh, I love it. So this is kind of, this is a set collection game. And you get 10 cards in your hand and the cards are, there is a deck to draw from. There's also cards on a display in the center and players are drawing and putting cards down the setting, which ones to keep because you have to get two sets of dim sum. And that means um, two sets of completely three, completely wait, no, three sets of dim sum. You have to get three sets of dim sum and each, you can have more than one of the same kind, but it has to go in a different set. And then um, a pair of identical T's. And so the T's are a little bit more difficult to get. And the T's are actually the multipliers for the points that you're scoring from your dim sum. And there are different categories of dim sum. They're like small, medium, large, and special dim sum. And so obviously the special dim sum are going to be worth more, but they're a little bit more difficult to come by. Uh, so you're drawing and discarding and moving things around. Really kind of an interesting little like point salad. Also, if you're like, I don't think I'm going to be able to get my tier, my dim sum tiers correct, you know, the right way, you can get like a keep a card that is a takeout set and you can do a dim sum takeaway, <laughs> which I think is adorable also. Um, so you actually can score them even if you don't complete your hand. So like Trina said, I'm going to go for that or not. I'm not sure. Uh, just combining these different types of dim sum and your teas in order to get the best score. I don't know how many rounds you play. It's for two to six players, perfect little little filler game. Absolutely adorable. Not only is it adorable, the other thing I love, and this is because I'm a nerd, it's educational. So they have like the name of the dim sum in Chinese characters. They also have it in pinyin. So like a Sha Long Bao they have that written out so that you can maybe learn what a soup dumpling is in Chinese. And they also have it in the Cantonese form opinion, which is, oh, what's it called? I can't remember. I know that it doesn't matter to anyone but me. Oh, Jetping. Um, so there's the Cantonese Jetping, the Chinese name and characters, and then the Mandarin Pinyin, um, so that you can maybe practice pronouncing these. And then there's English translation at the bottom underneath the absolutely adorable picture. So that you can learn, oh, a barbecue pork bun is cha xiao bao. So it's cute, it's quick, it's easy, adorable, um, and educational. So if you're interested in cute <laughs> food... <laughs> or you're interested in dim sum or you like fun little card games check out yumcha there's three days left in the kickstarter like it i just made the cut in for it um and it's only twenty dollars but the other thing is like if you want to get like if you love the adorableness as much as i do um it's only uh, i think maybe seven more dollars Seven more dollars to get the premium version and you get like a little teapot fridge magnet. You get a red envelope for, that has the Quokka Games um, little cute logo on it. You get a frosted drawstring bag um, and your name goes on the wall of gratitude at their um, the game, the publisher's website. But you get these extra cute little things for just seven more dollars, like a cute fridge magnet. And I don't know. Anyway, that is Yumcha. Is this like a family card game or is it just like a simple little card game? Um, I think it could like, be a family. It's not a, kid, it's not a kid's game? No. Um, I, I mean, kids could play it, but you have to be able to like do the math or you could do the math for them because really it's like, okay, I need 
three sets of three different kinds of dim sum and two teas they're exactly the same so as long as i can do that i got you yeah it seems cool i guess family game in general yes yeah i i like little card games that are cute they're fun they're easy to store too which i appreciate and they're usually cheap they are it is cheap did you look at the artwork on this one no i haven't I, i'm getting ready to pull it up you when you talk about the next one totally should because it it is seriously it is it reminds me a lot of um the artwork done on sushi go which is some of my favorite because i don't know why i love anthropomorphized asian food but it's definitely <laughs> a, a niche artwork market for me <laughs> yeah i don't even understand why anthro anthropomorphic food is a thing but whatever i i don't know i just kind of love it if it looked like that in real life, it'd make you real sad because I'd never want to eat it. But I guess I'd be skinnier if it did, if it did look that cute. I'm like, oh, <laughs> little dumpling, you're so adorable. Okay, I will not eat you. Oh, yeah, it really does look like sushi go. I know, cool. right? It's adorable. Okay, onto something less adorable, but also really cool. Um, and I have mixed feelings about this. So, of course, I mean, I'm going to talk about it. Because it's scandal. Not really. Um, the next one I want to point out is Pagan Fate of Roanoke. Um, and actually, not only did my normal uh, correspondent for Kickstarter, Mike, mention this one, but also Scott sent this one to me, too. And I was like, well, I have to talk about it if more than one person sent it to me. Um, so Pagan Fate of Roanoke, it's a two-player card game. And actually, this is the second edition. It has come out. It has been released on Kickstarter before. And I'll, there's a lot to that, and I'll get to that here in a minute. Um, so two-player asymmetric game. You've got a witch and a witch hunter. Obviously, two powers clashing. And only one can win, clearly. Why can I not? Okay. Um, so you cut, You each get your own deck. This is a deduction game. You choose this one. You're building your deck of cards to really counter your opponent's Um and they have like different expansions already for this that can kind of supplement and change um, the cards that you're getting. So it's supposed to be very thematic. Lots of people really like it. However, in talking to Mike, he backed it on the first run. He has still not received the game. I find that problematic. Yeah, yeah that's a little uh, bit of a red flag there. I'm not sure when it was supposed to come. Um, this estimated delivery for this. Oh, it says estimated delivery, April 2021. Obviously, that didn't happen. Um, so I don't know if they just haven't. You can do a. You can get a print and play version. Um, maybe this is the old. Maybe I. Maybe I pulled up the old project. Because I was like, what the heck? I might have pulled up the old project. I was like, but if that was the original delivery date, it did not deliver. Yeah, I have it pulled up right now. I'm looking at it. I was looking at it when you were uh, talking about it earlier. Yeah, but the, I think the idea is cool. The artwork is cool. I'm a big, I mean, like we talked about Septima last week. I'm a big fan of that. So, yeah, this is the second print run. I don't understand why some backers haven't gotten it. But they do have some updated cards and things on this one um, that they really – that you can also, if you've backed it the first time, you can come in and, and say, I would like the updated cards. Um, there is the first expansion, which is called Pagan Beyond the Palisades, that kind of has a, this has a gloom mechanic. The artwork is is really super cool. I like the idea of kind of developing a deck to kind of go back and forth against somebody else. I don't want to say it's Hero Realms, Realm style, but in some ways it kind of feels like that. There's also boards involved that you're playing out onto. There's a villager board, there's an enchantment board, there's a hunter board. So you you as like players, you have a, you have your you have two a player board and action board, both the witch and the hunter do. And then there's also village boards and enchantment boards. And I'm pretty sure I covered this on its first run. So I was like, okay, second run, cool. Again, I, someone hasn't received it yet. <laughs> I feel like that's a bummer. But it looks like they really are like giving you a lot of stuff for the second run. Um. So hopefully you get it. 
Uh, if you have back to the first time you want the revised cards where they did some rule changes and errors, I think it's like $6. So there's some errata cards for that. If um, you like didn't get Kickstarter content the first time and you found it somewhere, I'm not sure where, you can get like the stuff from the first Kickstarter, like the deluxe wooden tokens and things like that. Um if you want to get the physical, the expansion, because you have the first one, you can also get the expansion. So they're like really trying to make it. Um, if you're like, oh, I love, I, I backed the first campaign and now I even want more. They've got more wooden tokens. They've got an art book. They've got the erotic cards. You can get all of that. So they're really trying to bring you into it. Um, and it says that the estimated delivery is December of this year, of 2022. So I'm hoping that everyone will get all of their stuff by then. So I'm not saying don't back this Kickstarter. I'm saying it looks super interesting and it looks really good. Um, but my correspondent in the field was not able to tell me how good it was because he has still not received this. If you're interested in a witch hunter versus witch kind of thing with cards back and forth. You like that 1v1 asymmetric powers? Check out Pagan Fate of Roanoke. Check it out. I, I, I think it looks awesome and might be worth it as long as they're delivering on time. And I'm, I'm hoping, you know, now that we're kind of in the lighter version of the pandemic, um, that this will happen. So if you are interested in it for the first time, the base game is 48 bucks. So not too bad for the quality of components that I'm seeing here. I mean, all I got to say is it's pretty ballsy. One, to do a second print run of a game that first edition backers haven't gotten. And two, to put one of the pledge levels, I was looking this up when you were talking, one of the pledge levels at five bucks for the updated cards when you don't even have the game originally. Like, to me, that seems messed up. But... I don't know anything about the first one. I don't know if that's just, you know, Mike is the exception and not the rule. I so I, yeah, I don't, I don't know, know that, but yeah, just, just seems a little messed up for sure. I know. Like, so I thought I would talk about that. I think, um, in the world of Kickstarters and with like shipment and delivery and all of that kind of being the mess that it is, um, you know, we have to be cautious. We have to, be alert and discerning and, and check things out. But I, I also don't want to not talk about this Kickstarter. If it, you know, if it really is interesting to people and you're willing to take a shot at it. So that's my controversial discussion of the week. Um, but that's all that I have for news so far today. All right, so let's talk about some games that we played. We actually played quite a bit of games this week, but we're only going to talk about three because that's what we do. And the first game that we're going to talk about is a game that we blind bought at Target because I'd seen some pictures floating around on the groups and said these games were this game was good. So I thought, you know, it's twenty dollars, can't be that bad. And you know how I love a twenty dollar game, and that game is called Planted. And this is the newest game from Phil Walker-Harding and Buffalo Games. And effectively what this game is, it's a drafting game where everybody's picking a card and they're going to pass the rest of their cards to the left or to the right. And you're trying to get these resources to grow these different plants that you have out in front of you on a player board. And the card types are there's water, sunlight, plant food, and green thumbs. And there's also items that will give you special bonus uh, bonuses when you play certain types of cards. And there's decorations, which will give you some in-game scoring abilities. After everybody's taken all the cards that they have or taken new plants, at the end of the round, everyone's going to feed their plants, try to make them grow. The more you can grow your plants, the more points you're going to get at the end of the game. You're going to do that four times, four rounds. Then whoever has the most points after all that is the winner. Simple drafting game. Um, kind of reminiscent of like a Seven Wonders or Sushi Go. More in line with Sushi Go because it's easier than Seven Wonders, but... Better than Sushi Go, in my opinion. But my favorite part about this game, before Kitty talks about it, is $20, one. But for $20, you get amazing components and production. I don't know how this company is able to give you three different kinds of wooden bits, two different kinds of plastic bits, 
Um, individual player boards are fold out. Nice quality cardboard. Nice quality cards. Little bags to keep all the components and all of that for $20. I don't understand it. Amazing components. Super pumped with the, the presentation. And the gameplay is pretty good too. So, planted. I'm all in. I'm all in on this one. So, what do you think about this? Um, I liked it. I'd like to play it again because I was initially confused by your description of it. I, I, I don't know why. My brain did not work on this one. I think I would do better if I played it again. But it is kind of a, a very laid back, let's try to, you know, get as many points as we can. And in a variety of ways, which I also really love. Because you want to be able to actually, you know, make these plants by getting the right resources. But there's also these cards that are really going to be your multipliers for your points. And you cannot neglect those. Well, I mean, maybe you could. I guess it's a different strategy. But I like that there are those different strategies there for it. So, yeah, I'd say it was good. It's good. It's, it, I think I think it'll grow on me. And also, <laughs> oh my gosh, it was not a pun. Stop it. <sighs> you see what I have to deal with, people. Um I, I do think the more plays, the more I will enjoy it. And it is one of those games that's simple in like actual playing execution that it's easy to teach, but there are enough meaningful decisions that make it interesting for gamers and those components and all the different pictures of the plants and stuff really will like draw people in. So it's a nice game to get like casual gamers or new gamers i think in invested in the game so yeah like of course i love the tactile nature of the the little like the sunshine i oh my gosh they're like these little plastic suns and they just feel so great and they look cute and the the water drops are like that too like yeah i love it Twenty dollars is all I gotta say. I know, I know. When you're like, oh yeah, and I mean, I had seen people post about it. I was like, I don't know who Philip Walker Harding is. I've just heard the name <laughs> because you all know how bad I am at designers and publishers. I was like, well, that sounds familiar, but I don't know. Um, so I didn't really pay any attention. But I'm like, oh, another play a game, and then Jason's like, well, it's twenty bucks. And I was like, all right, you know, sure, because he never wants to spend any money on games. So I was like, well, I'll just I'll let him go for it. And yeah, it was, it's, it's definitely worth the $20 and then some. Yeah, I agree with all that. <laughs> what a, a, a resounding endorsement. This game is totally worth $20. I said, and then some. <laughs> no, I agree. I would have just stopped at $20. It's worth $20. Every game, this game has set the bar for other companies to be able to make similar games for $20. So um, if you're selling me a game that's in the same size box, with less components for $50, we need to have a conversation. Well, but also, like, again, and those of you that are on the board game, like, Facebook groups and stuff, you know all the buzz. Like, there is more to the story than just what you see. So, you know, maybe they are willing to take a loss to get more people interested in the games. Maybe they made so much on a different game. Um, if they're just given a chance on this game, I, I don't, I don't know, you know, maybe they already had special sons made and tucked away. I, you know, we don't, we don't know that. So I don't want to get super judgy about the cost of games. All right. You don't have to, I'll get, I'll be judgy. That's fine. Well, you were anyway, you're like, if I had to pay more than like $10 <laughs> for a game, why am I, why would I even do that? Everybody knows you can't buy a game for $10. Okay. $20 is the max. Oh, okay. Get it right. Whatever. All right, so <laughs> the next game that we played was an expansion for a game that Katie really likes called Pitch Perfect. And we no, got two expansions. No, that's a movie. Pic picture, picture Perfect, that's right. There I mean, you look at the outline, and I still can't say it. <laughs> picture Perfect. We bought both the expansions this year at Origins, but we only played one of them, and that one is Pickpocket, is the one we played. The other one is called, I think, The Movie Stars mm -hmm. or something like that. Yeah. And effectively, this changes the game a little bit. So the gameplay is still basically the same. You're trying to get, you have these packets of cards with three different cards in there. And you're trying to get these people around a table in certain locations next to people that they want. Maybe not seeing their face, maybe not next to this person, all that kind of thing. But the interesting thing that Pickpocket adds is 
at the end of the game, pickpockets. You're, <laughs> you're, you're adding pickpockets, but you're also uh, a certain amount of these guests are going to have a valuable, some kind of you know necklace or something, and you want to get a pickpocket to stand next to those people and not be seen not have their faces seen in the picture so they can steal that valuable. If their faces are seen, they can't snatch it because, you you know, they'll be caught in the act. So while you're playing, you're also keeping in your mind which ones have the valuables, which spaces you need to have vacant so that they can you can bring in a pickpocket at the end of the game to put next to that person to steal the valuable. Because if you can steal all of them, all three of them, you're going to get 25 points, and that's a lot. So you're trying to, you know, still get make all the people standing around the table how they want to, but also keep an eye on these pickpocket things. Kind of remember, kind of leave room on your board for all that so you can steal the stuff. So it adds a little bit. It doesn't necessarily, like, I don't think it changes the game a ton, but it does add a little bit. So what do you think about this? And then I'll chime in a little bit when you're done. Um, I was disappointed by this. And I don't know if it's because I like the base game so much that I thought it made it, made it change too much. Um because I am like really focused on the problem of getting everyone by and by the person people they want to be by and in locations they want to be by. And then some people want to be by pickpockets who I don't have on the board yet. And so I'm purposely leaving people off. But then I feel like because the pickpockets give you so much points, you have to use them. And I really don't like that. I don't like a game telling me what to do, just as I don't like people in real life telling me what to do. So I I, I didn't love that. I felt like it restricted my playing too much. I think it's a neat idea. I just think I'd like to see it carried out differently. Yeah, I understand what you're saying, but... The, I'm real bad at getting everybody or getting a lot of points with some of the guests. So when the pickpockets are introduced, I can just scratch those people that I am going to get like one or zero points or not have on the board anyway. So I can just kind of jockey the other people around to get maximum points out of those. And then I can get all the pickpockets where I need to be and score those points as well. So I I think the pickpocket made me like this game a little bit more because it gives me more things to think about and more stuff to do. So I like this expansion a lot. I like to see what the movie stars add. I don't think it adds as much as this one, but um, it. I definitely like this one. So it makes me like the game a little bit more, which is interesting that you feel the opposite. Yeah, and I don't know if it's because I, I like it just pure, straight up, you know, as it is, and that's why. Um, or because I'm just, like, not that smart. Like, I'm not that good at that kind of strategic thinking. And so... I just like it when it's the pure logic puzzle as opposed to like, okay, what kind of points is, is the best trade-off? Because I'm not really very good at that. Yeah, I can see that. And I didn't like this as much as you in the first place. So that maybe that's why it helped me out a little bit because it gave me more to think about, more stuff to do. So And for yeah. once, like I learned this game and you didn't have to. And I taught it. That's true. That's true. I still have never read the rule book. <laughs> I, I taught Brandon once, like based on how I knew how to play, but I didn't look at the rule book. Well, I did kind of because we were using the actual dishes stuff, like the auctioning thing, oh. which is garbage. Yeah. But um, yeah, we were trying that to see how it worked, and it's not very good. At least with two, it's not very good. Yeah. I, I think that this game benefits from some house rules because they're really trying to be gung ho about this whole taking a picture thing. And I think that actually taking a picture is stupid. Um, and that you can kind of judge where, how, who's going to be hidden and who's not like without taking a physical picture. And then this one kind of amps up. I am interested in the movie star one because I think it's just a different way of looking at preferences. And so now you have to, um, there's an, instead of just saying i want to stand next to this person or i want to be at this part of the table you the cards say i want to talk to this person and that means that that guest's face like actual face is closer to that other guest than anyone else's face so the arrangement becomes really even more key there which i think will make it like hard but i i kind of like that new challenge bit and i also love like laurel and hardy and charlie chaplin so 
I'm, I'm excited and to play ra- that one. And random movie star number three. I know. I'm not sure she's supposed to be <laughs> Marilyn or, I mean, there's several kind of starlets that I think she could represent, but I don't know if they're allowed to be specific. I mean, the other guys probably, look probably exactly not. like <laughs> who they're, I believe, yeah. supposed to be. So, like, I mean, she could be Rita Hayworth. She could be just, there's just a lot of things, but yeah, I still really like picture perfect and i don't even need the expansion to like it yeah it yeah i the the expansion is not necessary for sure but since we have it we might as well use it yeah i'm glad you like it all right so the next game is i think came out last year i don't know i didn't look that up and i'm not going to look it up so i'm just going to (laughs) say it came out last year and this is um a big uh big euro game big table presence Big player boards and really nice art. And this game is called Bitoku. And this is a a dice placement game, but it also has some deck light deck building and you're playing cards down. So the way this game works is on your turn, you are going to either be playing a card down to your player board or sending a die out to one of the five different regions on the board to take some actions. And each of the regions of the board are going to let you do different things. Like one of the regions is going to let you get um, dragonflies or lily pads, whatever they're, I can't remember what they're actually called. <laughs> lily pads for the dragonflies to, to sit on. And if you can get both of those, you can make a match. They come off your player board and they're going to give you some special bonuses. So that's what that, one, that one's going to do. The other section of the board is going to let you move around. You're trying to move your little um, this um, pilgrims around the top of the board to get to different like Tory gates and go over some bridges to score points and get some bonuses. And you're also trying to move this little character you have on your player board down these different paths that are connected to your player board to get bonuses and score points. So some arbitrary movement, but you get a lot of points from it. Another section of the board is going to give you resources. Go there, get some resources. Another section of the board will let you build some buildings out on the board to make actions more powerful when you go there or give you these crystals, which will unlock um, more pilgrims for you to use in the, the movement areas and to multiply some bonuses on your board. And then there's another section where you're going to go get some pip upgrades to make your dice stronger. Now, once you play the card or play the die, um, there's a couple things that you can do with the die when it's out on the board. You can then cross over the river, which will decrease your value by one, and it will give you a, an additional bonus. So each die can possibly be used twice, and each card can be used once. Three, uh, you know, you can play three cards. So you have a total of about nine actions that you can take on your tur- uh, turn. You're playing over four rounds or five rounds. So 36 actions on a turn. You're trying to score the most points. That's it. Uh, it looks like it has a whole lot going on. It does have a whole lot going on, but there's just really five sections of the board that you're looking at, and a lot of the other stuff is art. So really cool worker placement card game with some light deck building, some set collection for scoring, a whole bunch of ways to score points, and I really like it. So how do you feel about Batoku? Um, I really liked it. I did not do a good job, but I wasn't necessarily frustrated by it. I felt like there were so many things to do. And again, I think there are lots of different ways to score points. I'm not quite sure of that yet. Um, you really, the lily pad things are called mitamas, and they're actually lost souls um, in search of redemption. So they use the fireflies that help them find redemption. All right. It looks like a lily pad and a firefly mm-hmm. to me. It does. Um <laughs> It's so cool, though. Like, honestly, I it's absolutely beautiful. It's super fun. Um, there are lots of things. It reminds me a little bit of Gugong, where you're kind of going and to all these different places, and you're just trying to score points in all these different ways, which I think is awesome. Um, you're also, like, going in and, um, like... <laughs> I like that you're you're taking these cards and using them as their actions. You can also get get rid of some to give you points. Like there's just so many different things that you can do. So many different things. Um, and honestly, like I pulled a Julia on this one. Uh, Tim's sis- sister said, I know if I want to buy a game, if I go to bed thinking about it and then I wake up and I'm still thinking about it. And I had a dream about playing games with her and her husband, oddly, it was a roll on right. Um, and then I woke up, and when I woke up, I was thinking about, oh, I should have done this differently in playing this game. So I definitely need to play it again. Um, 
it super intrigued me. It uh, there's just there's just so so much to it. Like I, even though I did I didn't completely lose, but I didn't do well. I still want to come back and play it and try to figure it out and do better. And it's so pretty. Yeah. So so pretty. Yeah. It it's definitely overproduced for what it needs to do. Oh. I mean it no, but and by that I mean it looks nice. Like it it has way way nicer of a look than I think it needs to have for what this game is. But I do really like it. I lost by a point, so I was really close to winning. Um but yeah, it, it has everything that I like in a game. Tons of different stuff to do. Um not a lot of time to do it. You want to do everything, but you kind of can't. So you just make the best of what you got and yeah, I really like this one. It's a good game. Yeah. All right, so those are the games that we played. We will keep the show going. All right. So we have kind of discussed this in video format. It has not been done in video format, but I think maybe in conjunction with podcasts, we will do some videos about this. And someone said, why don't you go through your Borgen collection shelf by shelf and talk about what's on there. And I've considered doing this many times. Um, shout out to Melanie who has done it with hers. And I originally thought about it, oh, I don't know, maybe a year ago or six months ago or something. I still haven't done it. Um, but we want to go through what is on our shelf. And so we have a lot, a lot of shelves. We've also got stuff on top of shelves. Um, so we'll definitely post some pictures in the socials of the shelf that we're going to discuss. But we want to kind of give you a rundown of the games that we have on our shelves. So you will automatically, we don't have a certain shelf of shame. So you will find out where the shame lies. Um, some of you talked about the board of illegibility, which Jason has not updated for a long time, but there are plenty of games in here that he has played that he keeps saying I should play, but I have not played. And you will also find those out as we go through this rundown. Um, <laughs> but we want to talk about what is sitting on our game shelves, a way to talk about old games, kind of obscure, weird games that we may have had games. Maybe you haven't thought about or heard of in a long time. Um, just a way to kind of kickstart some discussion about games and about collections. Yeah, and uh, the picture there will be a picture of the shelf that we're talking about that will be posted to all the social medias before this episode drops. So just so you can have an image when we're talking about this game, you can just look at it and say, oh, that's what that game looks like. Because we understand describing a shelf through audio may not be uh, <laughs> the easiest. So there will be some accompanying pictures for sure. Okay, so our first shelf, as you walk into our board game room, it's a shelf directly to your left, and it is right up against the door frame. Um, so this is a little shorty shelf from, I don't know where we got this shelf from. It could be anywhere. Who knows? Who knows? Some big box store, I'm sure. I think there are, what, four shelves total? Three. Three shelves total on the shelf. So we've crammed some stuff in here. And the very first game on the shelf is Coliseum. We've talked about Coliseum before. Coliseum is kind of a contract fulfillment sort of game um, with some auction to it. Uh, and trading. And trading. So for a lot of people who are like, well, I like games with interaction. I don't want these euros where I just do my own thing, which is what Jason likes. Um, Coliseum has kind of that nice balance where, yes, you're going through auction. And you're, so there is some player interaction where you're trying to beat up people for the auction. But as you're fulfilling what your um, different productions that you're going to put on your Coliseum, what they need, you've got props and set pieces and things that you might be willing to trade to get some stuff that you want because it's very difficult to get all the things you want. Um, and so Coliseum has that nice um, player action trading piece in it, like specifically built in and it doesn't feel tacked on because you really need it um, to get some of these productions made. And also, um, so it's not like people are holding out like, oh, well, I don't want to help you because they really are also going to need help too. Um, and your points, yes, come through the production that you're putting on, but there's also points that you get um, based on who's visiting your Coliseum at the time you're putting on this production. And that is kind of, you can manipulate that separately. So it's not 
one of those things where it's like, oh, so-and-so's ahead. Well, we're not going to trade with them at all. That really is not going to be to your benefit. It really doesn't work out like that. And so I really like Coliseum. Um, the artwork is not good. <laughs> Uh, but the gameplay, I think, is super fun. So that is the first uh, game on our shelf, Coliseum. I don't know who, yeah, really who it's by. I don't know who designed it. None of that. Uh, I don't know who designed it. We have the Tasty Minstrel Games version. There's a uh, Days of Wonder version that was the first edition, the original one. But, yeah, this is a great game. We'd probably play it more, but it takes a minute. It's a pr- kind of a long game. Um, there's a lot of trading and I don't love trading. So I will definitely want to play it with people that are also in the, kind of the same boat as me. And you need to have three minimum as well too, which kind of stinks, but good game for sure. All right. So the next game on the shelf, I actually just busted out today so I could remember kind of what it was because I know we have it. We've had it for a long time, but we haven't played it for a long time. And it is called Epic Resort. And we also have the Villains Vacation expansion. And what this game is, is it is a deck building game where players are basically running this resort and you're trying to attract heroes and tourists to come stay at your resort. And the way you're doing that is you are having a hand of cards and you're staffing these different pieces of your resort, like maybe a beach and a tiki hut with these people so they can, you know, serve the tourists so you can score money and prestige or whatever it's called fame, I think. And then if you, you can spend your stars, which is flair or fame or something, to attract people to come stay in your um, your your places so you can get new tourists or you can get heroes or you can get villains if you're using the expansion. And you can use money to upgrade the cards in your hand to get better staff to service the cards better and more efficiently so you can use less cards. If a place is all the way staffed, it's, it may have a special ability that can be activated once per round and all that kind of thing. So you're trying to do that. Then after everybody does that, there's going to be this phase where a boat's going to bring new people to the island, but sometimes a monster sneaks onto the boat and it'll come and it'll attack one of the um, the resorts and you have to either defend it off of the hero or some tourists are going to get eaten or your resort is going to start catching on fire. And you're going to play until all the monsters have been defeated and whoever has the most points after all that by heroes relaxing all the way and they retire and you get, get them in a point pile is the winner. That's it. So deck building with some interesting tweaks, um, a cool theme and fun. So that's Epic Resort with Villains Vacation. I, um, I, I liked this one initially because of the theme. I thought it was so fun and silly, but I I do think it's got some really cool, um, like mechanisms, like just, just fun ways to play it and like, okay, yeah, we're going to go, you know, like what do villains do on vacation? Like it just, I just think that's so silly. Um, but I like, I like the artwork a lot. Like there's a lot of, it's not a super deep game, but it is super cute and, and fun as far as theme goes. And I think we should be playing it again. Yeah. I liked it. I mean, just doing my little playthrough earlier is good. I think maybe we play this at two and it would have been better at more. Yeah. There's a little more interaction with more. And I, we played it without the, um, Expansion. New rules where where you shorten the uh, monster deck oh, okay. because it can it went on for a really it was like yes. three hours or something, but there's new rules where you take out some monsters to make it shorter so it doesn't overstay its welcome. Okay, time has improved that one, so yeah, we should pull that one back out. The next game is a game that at first I absolutely hated, and then I gave it a second chance, and now I really like it. And that game is Broom Service. We have an old and busted. I don't know if there's even new copies, but we definitely ours is definitely old and busted. Ravensburger, right? Yep, that's correct. Look at me go! I knew the publisher. I'm pretty sure the person that designed this is pretty famous, and I don't know who it is. It's Alexander Fister, and he has a co-designer, but I'm not sure who the co-designer is. Okay, so Broom Service, you are it's it's pick up and deliver, but you're doing it through this kind of simultaneous action selection piece. Um, where you program all of the things you're going to do. So, and you program them through these different, choosing different witches or druids or fairies. So um, you could be delivering goods in like the mountains or picking, or you're also picking up potions as well. I forget what the ones are that pick up the potions. Yeah, you're playing witches. 
that are going to gather the are it's like stone. Uh, are the witches gathering witch the potions? And, well, they do a couple things. The card will let you gather, but then there's another witch that lets you deliver and a druid that lets you deliver. Okay. So there's witches that gather and witches and druids that deliver. Yes. I couldn't remember if, if there was also witches that let you gather. So you're gathering potions and then you're playing. So with certain witches, you're playing witches to deliver. Um Orders to deliver to different areas of the board. Fairies are going to clear out some clouds that might be in your way. Um, but each action that you choose then has a different strength. You can be cowardly and just do like a weaker form of the action, or you can try and be brave. And if you are the most brave, which is like the last brave, you get to do like a souped up version of the action. But the problem is you don't know who else is going to play and if they're going to want to be brave or not. Um, it's this great like out like trying to outthink everybody else. Like what are they going to do? What are they not going to do? But I also need to do some stuff myself. And um, whoever was the bravest witch or druid or fairy from the last um, card that was played, they choose the next card to lead out with. So you might have thought I'm going to program actions in this order and that might or that order might just be all shot to heck by the time <laughs> you get around to it because people are calling out. They have their own order or ideas of doing things, um, delivering, getting potions, you know, dealing with the clouds. Um, there's also event cards that I really love. <laughs> like, I think, not the last time we played, but one time we played, I just did the event cards. I barely delivered anything i was like yeah you know what i'll take one action this turn i'll just take the points for this event card and it totally worked in my favor it was awesome um and also was less stressful i think <laughs> but it was still fun um there's cool there's so much fun interaction with this and plus it's just like cute little witchy poos like it's just adorable it's a good game um i'm glad i buckled down and gave it another chance because it, it's really good and uh that's broom service yeah, it's basically a pickup and deliver. Like it's a pretty basic pickup and deliver game, but the way that card system works is really cool. Um, you never know if someone's kind of a little push your luck. You never know if someone's going to be brave. You don't even know if they pick the same card as you. So you know if you're first, are you going to try to be brave when there's five other people to play? <laughs> right. No, it's it's tricky. Yeah, it's it's a great game. I like it. It's a stupid little theme, but yeah, it's a great game. Okay, um, so after Broom Service, we have Role Player. And unlike some others of our listeners, we just have the basic Role Player, uh, which is great. So Role Player is kind of in the vein of Sagrada. Again, not the exact same. But the idea is that you are rolling dice and you are trying to fit them into your player board and meet all these conditions. So I like Role Player way better than Sagrada. Sagrada is prettier, fine, but role player has a better theme. And get mad at me if you want for violating my own rules or whatever. I don't care. I like what I like. Um, and I like role player. So basically you're building a D&D &D character. And that's kind of, I, it's super thematic because it influences um, the different stats based on the race and the class and the alignment that you choose. So you're, you're, drafting dice to fit them into you know their charisma their wisdom their strength their decks and you know there's modifiers based on what kind of character you have um I, another great thing about role player that sagrada doesn't have is there are a lot more ways to manipulate the dice um through some car action cards that you can get and also through bonuses that you get from filling and using certain slots on your player board. Um, you can also do some set collecting through getting different kinds of equipment for your um, character. All things I think are awesome. Like, it's just a really fun game. You're like, oh, I just need this color game, and oh, I don't have money, and like, who's going to take what? Like, there's just a lot of good tension. Um, it's a very easy kind of play. Like, okay, we're going to draft some dice. Then we're going to do. Uh, then we're going to place it. Then we're going to go to the market. Like it's very easy to do, but the choices are where it gets tough. Like, who am I going to use this dice here? And is that going to get me to the right count? Or am I going to be able to get extra points this way? Like, do I try to collect the set of armor or not? I really like it. Um, we have played the expansion, the monster expansion, where you fight some things 
which I really liked. Um, and I know that there's even more out there for this, like kind of a legacy type thing with it. I would like to play that. I don't know if Jason would. Um, but again, I, I really like this particular theming on the dice placement games that kind of were all coming out around that time. Um, and I really like role player. I don't know who the designer is. I don't know who made it, but it's a good game. Yeah, I, I enjoy role player. Uh, I agree. I think role player is a better game than Sagrada. Sagrada is prettier, like it has prettier dice and everything, but Sagrada is, or um, role player is a much better game, like significantly. I would, I would pick role player 10 out of 10 times over Sagrada. It's good. All right. So I'm going to do the next three or so because a couple of these Katie hasn't played. So instead of having to have her try to explain them when she doesn't know what they are, I could still do it. Even if I played them, I sometimes explain them like I don't know what they are. (laughs) That's true. You could Jason's playing it. So the next game we're going to talk about that's next to role player is a game called Croft Wagen. And I've played this game, I don't know, four or five times. For some reason, I have never with me yet. Yeah. And effectively, what you're doing in this game is you are building old cars and I like early cars, like 20s, 30s, whenever cars started around that time period. And you're doing that by um, picking some actions. There's this cool action selection where it's got the Takedo thing where if you're in the back, you can move as far as you want to take an action. But until you're in the back again, you can't take an action. So depending on what you want, it depends how far you're going to jump. And then the the actions are going to like snake around the board as well. So they're always going to keep moving. So there's always actions in front of people to take, which is pretty cool. And you're trying to get car parts. You're trying to get engines. You're trying to get bodies. You're trying to move your car around the racetrack. I don't know why, but there's a racetrack. Um, and then you're trying to basically sell these cars in like kind of an auction to certain people that want certain things. So there might be a person that wants the cheapest car. There might be a person that wants the best engine. There might be a person that wants the best body. And there's one that wants like the most prestige, which means the car that has the most worker discs on top of it. Cause you have to unlock these discs to get on these cars. And then, you know, if they buy your car, you're going to get a disc that's worth a pile of points. And you're trying to have the most points at the end of the game by com- completing laps, uh, unlocking some goals and mostly by selling these cars. So you're building cars and selling them, to score a pile of points. And that's kind of what this game is with some cool action selections. Uh, it's a lot of blue and tan. Uh, I like blue. Well, I like tan, but the board is blue and tan. doesn't look that great, but it's a pretty fun game. And eventually you'll have to play it. So that's Kraftwagen. Yeah, this is the one that Jason keeps bringing up. Like, oh, you would really like Kraftwagen. Yeah, yeah. You hate um, Kanban, but you you would really like Kraftwagen. He's played it six times. I've played it no times. Interesting. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds right. Um, yeah, so the next game we both have played. You probably don't remember, but we have played this game. We have? We have played this game, yes. And it is called Unearth. And this is a game where players have different size, like different types of dice. I think you have an, an 8, a 6, and a 4, and... I don't know. There might be something bigger than an eight. I have no idea. But there's four different sizes of dice. And and what you're doing is you are picking a die and you're basically using that die as like a bidding for these cards that are out in the display. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to snag these cards because each of these cards are going to come with these little tiles that you're trying to build this tableau in front of you in certain like configurations of colors of tiles. If you can do that, you can unlock this like... um, monolith or like uh landmark thing and it goes in the center and it gives you some kind of scoring opportunity so you're getting points by winning these cards that are out you're also getting points by playing these tiles down on your tableau in front of you to give you even more points at the end of the game and there's a certain number of cards that have to get one that ends the trigger uh that triggers the end game and then you're going to count up everybody's points whatever the points of the winner it has really cool art um really cool um I don't know. It's a fun game. Like I like the way the auction works by putting the dice out there. People can overbid you and you have to put more dice down there, all that kind of thing. It's a, a cool a cool game in my opinion. We don't play it a lot, but I like it. So Unearth is next to Kraftwagen. It looks pretty. The artwork's cool. Yeah, I don't remember playing this, so it obviously did not make an impression on me. I'm sure I did yeah. poorly. I, I don't remember. Basically. I just remember that you did play it. I know who you, who we played it with. Oh, I don't remember this at all. Why I remember that and I can't remember what happened yesterday, I have no idea. (laughs) I don't either. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, I, I right, apparently so. played it, but I don't remember it at all. So, but I remember everything that happened to me since I was like three. Yeah, we're like the except opposite. this game. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so the next game is one you have not played. Oh, and good. This is actually a game that uh, Chris gave me because he didn't want it anymore, and I I like it. Uh, and it's called the Mad Science Foundation. And this is a game, it's an I split, you choose game. So there's going to be a certain number of cards from like multiple different decks. You're trying to get um, different types of like nuclear power and energy and like weapons. And you're trying to get inventions and you're trying to get um, like special abilities. And you're going to draw so many of each of these cards and you're going to split them up into piles equal to the number of players. So... Any way you want. You could put one in one, one. You could put three in another, four in another. But then you're, you're, whoever split the cards up is going to get last pick. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to get the certain color of cards to be able to build your doomsday machines that you have in front of you. And you're trying to get the um, energy to activate those machines to make you, basically let you score points. And you're just trying to have the most points at the end of the game. It's a really simple game. It has a silly, like evil scientist theme that really could be anything and it's just enjoyable and yeah so that's mad science foundation not sure if you would like it or not but i have played it with chris and amy and i think i might have played it with brandon i'm not sure but it's not bad it's evidently not enjoyable enough for you to teach me i mean i don't necessarily love the i split you choose so um maybe i can teach you and then i don't have to play it i wouldn't play it anymore probably i'm so glad we have this no, he was going to get rid of it, and I thought, like, you know, if I didn't like it, I could just give it to Brandon because he liked it, so <laughs> there's always that. Okay. Um, the last one, I'm going to – it's actually the last two things on the shelf, but they go together because one is an expansion. And last on the shelf, but certainly not least, I love this game. I also don't know why this game is in this section of our board game room. Jason organizes it and reorganizes it, and none of the ways make sense to me. And especially right, so this placement let, doesn't let, make sense to me. You're right. It doesn't. But okay. it was behind me on the shelf and it didn't make any sense over there either. And I did some rearranging and it just happened to end up over there. The size of the box just fit over there, which is why it's over there. But it's a key master game. It should go with the key master games. We have key master games on three different shelves. Well, you should pick one and put this on there. So the game is Parks. <laughs> by the way and it's from Keymaster. i actually know that because i i really like their games um their production value is on point and parks being like the first one to kind of really skyrocket them is no exception um so you are going to visit national parks um but you're doing that kind of uh, you're moving two hikers through a trail and on the trail, you are collecting these different, I, I, don't, I don't, elements. You're, you're visiting a park and you're picking up a, a, a sunlight token. You're not. Just like in real life. No, stop. Be quiet. You're not visiting the park because you use those tokens to visit the park. Yeah. You're hiking to the park, I guess. I don't know. Who asked you to chime in on theme? <laughs> you know that you don't know. You, you're done. <laughs> so anyway, you're going on a hike and you're collecting these tokens because at its heart, this is really a set collection contract fulfillment, resource management kind of game. So you're collecting suns and water, um, mountains and trees. I think those are all the types uh, to fulfill these cards. So you have gone and visit these national parks. Uh, the, the stunning thing about it is the components are awesome. The pictures of the parks are beautiful and they're unique to the parks. Um, there's also these cool wildlife tokens that are wild resources that are all these cool shapes. Um, you can also take pictures. It'll give you points and the pictures are these awesome, awesome little different, again, all different, um, little tokens that count towards points. So you're basically trying to rack up the most visits to uh, the most national parks. Or, well, yes. In the, in the U.S., but not always the contingent U.S. Learn, right. You also learn facts about the parks. Like, there's just a lot of cool stuff about this game. It has kind of the Takedo mechanism where 
the person who's the farthest back is the one whose turn it is. Um, but you also can't go and you can only go as far. You can, you can go as far forward as you want, but you cannot go backward. Unless the one of the tiles is out there that lets you activate something behind you. Right, right. But that's, again, an exception to the rule. Um, which, again, makes your choices, like, really difficult because you also can't be on the same tile as another hiker um, unless you use your campfire. So when to use that and how to use that and why to use that, you know, all great things to consider, super interesting um, and just beautiful. So the Nightfall expansion kind of gives you more of that. Um, there are more um, parks and uh, like little especially wildlife tokens to choose from. Also, there is a separate like little sub track where you can like pitch a tent and you can go on this other little sub track to get some different items. Um, and the other interesting thing, it kind of has, I don't want to say it's a new mechanic, but maybe um, biggest difference besides the extra, the tent track and the, the extra cards is there's this kind of addition to the park cards that you are getting and they'll give you um, like a special, I don't want to say bonus, but a special ability that can be activated. So looking for those and maybe choosing to pick those when maybe you need a different one or you have things that go with something else um, is great. Jason really likes those. Um, I don't know if it's because it gives you maybe a different focus or something that you like to do, but he kind of likes to go after those because he thinks that's that's a cool thing. But again, it, a lot of it is more the same. I don't necessarily think that Parks needs it. I think it's good by itself. Um, but more beauty and, and more options, it kind of makes it a little more gamery in some ways, um, the Nightfall expansion, but both are so good. So Parks and the Parks Nightfall expansion are at the end of our first shelf. Yeah, this is um, definitely one of the better Keymaster games for sure. I mean, Keymaster pretty much makes great games all around the board, but this is probably the one we played the most and had the most fun with. So yeah, great game if you can find it pick it up. It was available on Target for a while, which is cool. So yeah, I think it's, it's definitely a good game. I think it's still at Target, maybe. Yeah, I saw Trails, but I didn't know if this one was there still. It's kind of expensive, but it's so good. It's no $20, that's for sure. <laughs> that is for sure. Okay, so that's our first shelf of games. What do you think? Have you played them? Have you heard of them? Did we completely butcher des describing them? Of course yes, we did. We did. And that's okay. Tell us how we did, what you want instead, um, what your surprise is in our collection, what you're looking to see, what you think is coming up next. Um, check our social media outlets. We have Facebook. We have a Facebook group, hashtag The Riveted. You need to join. There is one membership question. What game would you play right now? And while I will judge you on that, I will still let you in regardless if I disagree with you. So there's that. Definitely worth checking out. Um, we also have the Instagram. We have the Twitters. We've got a Discord chat. We've got all kinds of things going on. And of course, the YouTubes where Jason is constantly putting out new content because he is just a machine like that. Some people like to say amazing, but I don't want to say that because I don't want to make myself get a big head. So, but mm. yes. Yes, heaven forbid. But definitely check it out. Lots of great content on there. New stuff all the time. To le ton. Ooh, nice throwback to Canada. Nice. You're welcome. I'm surprised you even knew that was French. <laughs> it sounded like made up words. So I just assumed it was French. And the fact that Canadians speak French that you knew those too. <laughs> yeah, some of them see? speak French. I, I Not know all Canadians stuff. speak French, but. I know. There are French Canadians and there are non-French Canadians. Indeed, that's how it works. Yes. <laughs> some who speak and some who don't. Because clearly there's some that don't speak French because Tim Hortons is not a French name. It would be like oh. Tim Hortois or something like that. What? No, stop. Aretza. <laughs> Everyone, I just apologize. I don't. Oh, boy. Oy vey. I say that way too so often, all the time, because it's you. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so I, I sometimes I just uh I need to turn on that little filter between my brain and my mouth. Just like you said to me, you don't have to say everything that comes into your head. 
That's true. At least the stuff I'm saying is not like uh, mean. It's just dumb. It's just offensive to French people and Canadians. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's true. All right, everyone, for your sake, <laughs> I'm going to wrap this up. I've been Katie. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming, everybody. Keep gaming. <laughs>